0: Which changes a night that sounds like this (coughs) into a night that sounds more like this.
1: Ah, that's better. Nyquil Severe. The nighttime sniffling, sneezing, coughing, sore throat, stuffy head, aching, fever, best sleep with a cold, medicine. Use as directed. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company presents. And Doug. Check it out, Lemu. A roadside carnival. Step right up, folks. Test your strength. Come see the fire-breathing baby. (laughs) Let's fan out and tell people that Liberty Mutual customizes your
2: car insurance so you only pay for what you need.
1: Look! An emu wearing sunglasses. Lemu, you're famous.
2: Only pay for what you need. Liberty,
0: Liberty, Liberty, Liberty.
2: Hmm, the fixin's for hummus
0: that's out of this world. Some Israeli scientists plan to grow chickpeas at the International Space Station. So next week, astronauts will bring seeds and a mini greenhouse into orbit to test hydroponic techniques for plant growth. Since there's no soil in space, a special nutrition-packed gel was also developed to help the seeds take root. Scientists are trying to find a sustainable food source that can grow in zero gravity. If it works, they'll try growing plants on the moon and eventually, Mars. Monica Ricks, CBS News. There's a court hearing today for a fallen Netflix star.
1: And your junior college national, national champion, the, the power, power, Rangers. power
2: Rangers. Cheers Jerry Harris is expected to plead guilty in Chicago in a child pornography case that alleges he solicited sex from minors at cheerleading competitions. He was indicted in 2020 on charges in Illinois, Florida, and Texas. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News.
1: Oil investments involve a high degree of risk and actual results may vary. With the stock market at all-time highs, cash in your profits now and invest in an asset that can potentially pay for up to 20 or more years. That's the sound of a producing oil well and the sound of a smart investment. If you're an SEC-accredited investor, you can take advantage of Encore Energy's projects. Call now to learn how you can potentially achieve 20 or more years of income and deduct 100% of every dollar invested against all forms of income. Call 1-800-278-7455. Invest in your future and buy oil. Oil prices are projected to rise. In fact, Goldman Sachs is projecting oil to go up to $100 a barrel. You need to own a piece of an oil field. Call 1-800-278-7455. Encore Energy. Energy is a very active oil and gas operator in its core area of operations. Call now and learn how to deduct 100% of your investment and create 20 or more years of potential monthly income. Call 1-800-278-7455. You'll be calling directly to the home office of Encore Energy. That's 1-800-278-7455. 1-800-278-7455.
0: Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals are going to Los Angeles to face the Rams in Super Bowl 56. This is the first time since the 1988 season that the Bengals have been in the Super Bowl. Westwood One's coverage of Super Bowl 56 is brought to you locally by Higher Choice Auto Service Center, White's Mill, and Red Brick. Tune in on February 13th at 2 p.m. on Classic Hits 970 and 97.1 FM, WATH. At Pizza Cottage, they always use the finest ingredients, treat their customers and employees like family, and always give back to the community. From pizzas to subs, wings to pasta, they have everything for your family to enjoy. You can also book their party rooms and their food trip. Pizza Cottage has a new location at 951 East State Street for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery through DoorDash. So visit them today, or visit their website, www.pizza-cottage.com.
2: I'm Brandy. You may know me as a branch manager, but I'm also a volunteer and a band mom.
1: At Park National Bank, we're more than our job titles and you're more than an account number. You get personal attention and direct access to a caring, compassionate banker who respects and responds to your needs and goals. Find Brandy or a banker near you at parknationalbank.com. Park National Bank, where you mean more. Member FDIC, parknationalbank.com.
0: Hi, it's Randy and Boots from the Auto Smarts Radio Network. And why should you listen to our show on this station? Well, Boots is a man of many talents and his knowledge you won't believe. Just listen. Hey Boots, what's your favorite thing to talk about? Cars. Rick Ocasek was the lead singer of what band? The Cars. What was Gary Newman's biggest selling song? Cars. Who was the all-time leading score in Notre Dame basketball history? Car. That's right, Austin Carr. Anything you'd like to add? Cars, Cars, Cars. Fifty seven Chevy. <laughs> That's Auto cars. Smarts. Friday afternoons cars. at one oh six on nine seventy WATH and ninety seven point one FM. That's a fifty seven Chevy? Cars. Cars cars. cars. Reports at the stock market's close. Tune in at 30 tonight on WATH to stay informed about your money. The stock market report is brought to you by Goldsberry Wealth Strategies, serving Athens County since 2005. The Goldsberry Wealth Strategy Stock Market Report airs exclusively in Athens County on 970 WATH weekdays at 5:30, immediately after our local newscast. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services are offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors Inc. Goldsberry Wealth Strategies is not a registered broker dealer and is independent
1: of Raymond James Financial Services. From Gruser- Realty and building. It's Larry Conrath,
0: the only Larry Conrath in real estate.
1: Larry Conrath, Larry Conrath, he sells houses. Larry Conrath, he sells houses. Larry Conrath, he sells houses, farms, and acreage too.
0: For the only Larry Conrath in real estate,
1: please call 5913015. 5913015. What was that number? It's 5913015.
0: Call the only Larry Conrath in real estate.
1: 5913015. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio. AM 970 M 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H
3: 35 degrees outside the door here. Headed up to 46 today. 53 tomorrow. Lots of melting going to go on. And frankly, we need it. Hey, we got a special edition today. We're going to learn all about an organization called SAD. Now that sounds sad, right? But it really stands for Students Against Destructive Decisions. Sounds like a very worthwhile cause in... Their spokesman this morning, Rick Burt. And we have Rick via telephone. Good morning, Rick. Good morning. Oh wait a minute. My fault. I didn't have the button push. Good morning, Rick. Hey, good morning, Dave. There oh, you always go. A pleasure to be with you. There you go. Listen. Um, <laughs> this this show kind of came up um, I can it snuck up on me. And this morning, all of a sudden, I realized, wait a minute. This this isn't um, a local person. This is uh, like the big dude in charge of everything, right? <laughs> and, uh, you're, That's what they tell me. Are you in New York City? Uh, w- uh, Washington, D.C. In Washington, D.C. I know that city very well. I was on the, the board of the National Association of Broadcasters there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The NAB. Anyway. So, um, in fact, I owned a a little farm up there on Route 29, halfway up to uh, Baltimore. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful area.
3: Yes. So tell me, Rick, what's your background?
2: Yeah, so uh, ironically enough, I was a sad student in high school. Students Against Destructive Decisions, as you said, is a national organization with about 7,500 chapters in middle schools, high schools, and colleges all across the country. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Buckeye myself. Grew up near Springfield, Ohio, okay. and was involved and was involved in SAD as a student and uh, went to Wittenberg University. Uh, still continue to be interested in this intersection really between public health, public policy, and community engagement. So uh, worked for a, a couple organizations before coming back to SAD and holding several different roles within the organization. And then about three, four years ago, uh, I became the president and CEO. So now I get to uh, travel the country, more so virtually these days, but travel the country and brag about the great things we have growing on um, in our schools and communities uh, at every level of uh, the organization.
3: Well, um, zero it down to Athens, Ohio. Do, do we yeah. have sad chapters here?
2: You do. Within the, within the state of Ohio, we have over 100 and within your listening area, we have about thirteen. Wow uh, pulled those so pulled those stats this morning, yeah. In both middle schools, high schools, and colleges, including right there at OU.
3: hmm Now, the what's the history? When did it first become such a thing?
2: Yeah, so we got to travel back about forty plus years, okay. back to nineteen eighty one in a suburb of Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, A local high school had tragically lost several students in separate alcohol-related crashes. And the community lost, trying to find some way to make sense out of these tragedies, got together. And more importantly, a group of young people got together. And they said, hey, we're, we're tired of watching our friends needlessly die in something that is totally preventable. We want to be part of the solution. So they got together with their hockey coach. And they started the very first chapter of Students Against Drunk Driving. As many folks might remember us from the 80s. Uh, And over the next few decades, the organization spread coast to coast, received lots of accolades, Uh, was really instrumental in changing federal and state legislation to have some of the impaired driving laws and underage drinking laws that we have in place now. Uh, But in 1997, our students came to us and said, hey, we still think that alcohol-impaired driving is a critical issue, but there are so many other risks and pressures that we're facing as, as young people, things like bullying, tobacco usage, uh, you know, how do, we, how do we handle things like mental health? And so we changed the name to reflect this broader mission and became Students Against Destructive Decisions. And now, as I said, our chapters are working each and every day. We have about 400,000 members across the country who are talking to their peers, to their parents, to the community at large about the issues of mobility safety not just you know what you do behind the wheel but also how do you be a safe pedestrian how do you get from point a to point b most safely what if your friend is impaired how can you make sure they get home safely substance use all the things i talked about tobacco uh substance use and drug usage uh, and then also a strong focus on mental health and leadership development because certainly in light of COVID 19 all of us i think have taken a, a hit on our mental health and so we're trying to help remove the stigma and make sure that communities have the resources they need to keep young people safe.
3: So, your first year involved was what?
2: So I first got involved in uh, 2006. Okay, uh, when I was uh, when I was in high school, yeah.
3: And and that's in Springfield.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. North Northwestern High School, go Warriors.
3: Okay, I'm familiar <laughs> with it. And yeah, yeah. And then you you say you went to Wittenberg, right? You did, Tiger Up. Yeah. I officiated soccer games there.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Great field. I think we had a pretty good team, too.
3: trying to think (laughs) of the uh, coach. He was uh, from Great Britain. Uh, Uh Uh-huh. Oh, shucks. Anyway, um, (laughs) in fact, a lot of our Ohio coaches were from Great Britain. College Worcester and— Yeah, yeah. They were
2: our arch—they were our arch rivals, so you know we tried not to pay too much attention to them, right?
3: (laughs) Worcester's like Mecca in my family. Oh yeah, really. My grandfather was president of the college and stuff like that. Oh wow. And um, anyway, Um, I won't hold it against you, Dave. (laughs) Okay, well I I get it. I get it. It's all all in fun anyway. Um, Absolutely. So what what was your major as you went through school?
2: Yeah, political science actually, um, which has really helped me because not only do we do a fair amount of policy work at the local, state, and national level, but you know, political science is really the sociology of uh, who gets what, when, where, and why. So those skills of of understanding um, negotiation, the skills of understanding um, you know community engagement, community mobilization, all of those things have come in really handy as I lead our team and our organization to again keep young people safe. And help young people keep themselves and their community safe
3: too. Now, you know, it started in 81, but today it's nationwide. It's at yep. high schools, it's at middle schools, it's at um, college levels. Um, could you venture a guess as to how many students are engaged in this, shall we say, nationwide? Yeah, we have-
2: yeah, we have about 400,000 active members, so those are students who are in our clubs who are really doing the great work, organizing activities, helping uh, you know, pass policy change at every level, the ones who are hosting events virtually and in person, depending on their community, uh, about 400,000 members, and we estimate from that that we reach about 38 million young people across the country each
3: year. Because, yeah. because of all the people they come in contact with, right? Correct. Correct, yep. Now, yep. Th- let's make a short list. What are today's concerns? So yeah. there still is substance, right? So like mm-hmm. substances, uh, so drugs and alcohol. Yep, um, and, and
2: tobacco. I would throw tobacco in there too.
3: Okay. Um, but what else?
2: So probably the most, the most pressing topic that we've been talking about is, is mental health and really trying to help communities understand that we should be talking about mental health, really just like we talk about physical health. For so long, we as a, as a country, we as a society have put kind of a stigma on talking about mental health. You know, I, I think in some parts of our country, it's, you know, hey, pull yourself up, uh, keep going. Yeah, life's tough, but you can get through it. And certainly there is an element to resiliency and an importance to building those protective factors to handle stress and kind of handle tough moments. But that comes through training. That comes through, in some cases, treatment. And so we're trying to help really this generation understand healthy ways to handle stress and pressure and help parents understand the difference between when their teenager might just be being a teenager or having a bad day and when there might be some opportunity to get some help, to talk to a medical professional and make sure they have the resources they need because we know that untreated mental health conditions are really the, the basis for substance use, substance use disorders, lifelong, lifelong anxiety, PTSD, lots of other factors that have you know, decades long, if not lifelong implications, that can really be treated if they're properly handled. And adolescence is really one of the most uh, critical times for developing our mental health because those formative years really do set the guidelines and set our perspective on how we handle those pressures for the rest of uh, our lives.
3: I know a young man who recently tried to take his life. Mm. And um, my wife and I got involved immediately. And Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, Things were just yeah. so, have built up so negatively for him. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, first of all, you, you know, now he has, we, we worked, it's not that we directly influenced this, but we had something to do with it. We, he now has a job. Yeah. Um, now, it's a tough job. He's working 12 hours a day, seven days a week. But, yeah. you know, he's earning money. There's Mm -hmm. a sense of pride in what he's doing. He um, is helping people. Yeah. Um, You know, it it is amazing how just simple people like myself and my wife can help someone.
2: Absolutely.
3: We've had 22 people live with us. He was not mm. one. He was not one of them. But there was, uh, he lives in a different property of ours. But mm-hmm. we, we've had young people from many nations and many places in the U.S. We've had a young man from the um, hood of mm-hmm. um, Sacramento who came here mm-hmm. and went to school at the university and. Um, He was just walking down the street, and one of our neighbors called the cops because they—I'm sorry, he was African-American. He didn't look um, like he belonged in the neighborhood. And, um, Mm. you know, think of that. Now, he's graduated now. He's a coach of a high school team. Um, Wow. You know, to see him advance. We had another young man, also black, who— Now is a state highway patrolman, not here in Ohio, but he is advanced and and is very, you know, people are down on their luck sometimes, or they don't have proper direction, or they are influenced too much by their friends and their society, Mm -hmm. and they just need someone to listen and help.
2: Yeah, I think I think you hit on some really great points there, Dave. I mean, first of all, like you said, not everyone has a supportive network or that support system in place to, to help them navigate so many of the challenges that life can throw at us. And so it, it's it's really important that we kind of watch out for each other. You know, I know we're we're in a divisive time in our history where everything is politicized, and uh, it's very easy to to look at the things that separate us and make us different but there's so much more I know it sounds cliche there's so much more that unites us and we can't we can't understate the the impact like just like you and your wife have had
3: mm-hmm.
2: on people when you invest in them you invest in their lives and you help them find that sure footing to be able to get back on their feet uh, and so you know I, I I tell I tell families I when I talk to professionals or uh, when I'm able to to talk to communities I I say you know no one no one wakes up one day and says now is a great time to have a mental health crisis no one wakes up and says today is a a great day to really have a a bad turn of luck yeah. it, life life presents circumstances and if you don't have that support if you don't have that footing it's really hard to dig out once life starts piling it up on you mm-hmm. you
3: you're absolutely right well, the one thing that bothers me just a little in is the name of the group. Sad. Yeah. Sad. <laughs> you know, it, it should be something more uplifting and encouraging. Yeah. Um, that's that's but, why
2: that's why we have our tagline, uh, one positive decision at a time. I see. Uh yeah, I think I I, I agree. You know, I that's something we've we've certainly thought about and talked about, but certainly the organization has four decades
3: yes. of brand
2: recognition and four decades of history that we want to pay homage to. But, you know, I think when, when folks visit our website, I'll give a shameless plug for our website, www.sadd.org, or to see our Ohio-specific resources, ohsadd.org. I think folks will see that everything we do is really put in a very positive light. Research continues to show us, that we're looking, we each are looking for that positive beam in our lives. We're looking for positive outlooks. And so we want to help provide that, whether that's directly by, you know, us empowering students to be involved at the local level, to host events on the subjects that we talk about, or maybe that's just a young person who, you know, is looking for some help and some support. Maybe it's a young person who, you know, is struggling with, some elements of, of their life, they can turn to our website and find some resources, not only because of what we provide, but because of the vast network and the vast number of partners that we have, from the suicide, the National Suicide Prevention Helpline to the National Road Safety Foundation, who helps us empower and train parents on how do I teach my kid how to drive. Uh, you know, I, I continue to be amazed that the number one killer of young people ages 16 to 24 in Ohio is actually car crashes. Yeah. We lose we lose close to 200 young people every year in the Buckeye State to something that I said a moment ago is is totally preventable and that's why we're you know we work with the Ohio Department of Public Safety the Ohio State Highway Patrol and the Ohio Traffic Safety Office to make resources available things like our seatbelt campaigns, things like our passport to safe driving that helps parents uh, make resources available as provided by the National Road Safety Foundation so, we we know life is life is tough and life can get really messy. And so we just hope that people will turn to Sat as a resource to help the young people in their life whether they're a parent or not. We all have young people that are in our orbits that we can, you know, help support just as as you and your family have done. But I think that's so important to to help one another
3: out. Absolutely. Well, Rick, um th- let me ask. The the headquarters is in Washington. Yep. Um what kind of staff is necessary to take care of 4,000 active members and uh, their effects on 38 million others?
2: Yeah, it's a small but scrappy team, Dave. We've got about uh, 10 people uh, that are here in, in D.C. and across the country that are working to support the organization. We try really hard to invest our resources right back into our chapters. Sure, Everything that we do is is completely free, whether that's to students, whether that's to parents, whether that's to communities, um, school administration. We do a lot of training with law enforcement on how to work with young people. All of that is available at no cost, thanks to the generosity of our supporters, our donors, and our, our friends. So it's a, it's a small but scrappy team. And what we really try to do is, you know, like I said, give young people who are passionate about their community and who want to get involved with the resources and training they need, and then we try to get the heck out of the way. Uh, I think it's so often you know, talked about in, in, in the media that you know, the next generation is, is fraught with trouble. And uh, I think we, we too oftentimes look at teens as really being the part, of, part of the problem. But I'm really hopeful because I have met some incredible young people across this country and across the state of Ohio who really do want to make a difference, you know, who want to help their communities come out of poverty, who want to make sure that their, their friends are safe. We want to help their families make better choices. So I think our future is in really good hands with this next generation, but you got to make sure they have the support that they need personally and also the support they need to, to really drive the change that we need to see to, to turn around some of these numbers around mental health, around traffic crashes, around substance use, because unfortunately all of those numbers, they're going in the wrong direction, Dave.
3: Yeah. 42 years sad has existed. And mm-hmm. um, you you've been involved only in the last uh, third of it. Um, yeah and, and talk about your own life. What yeah. did it what, what, what brought you to become a member of sad and what do you think it saved you from?
2: That's a really great question. So when I was in high school, you know, I, I, I was the guy who was involved in a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, I know we've not, we've not had the pleasure of meeting in person, Dave, but I, I'm not super shy. Uh, and so, you I know, I've, uh, I have I've always you know been involved and have been active. But uh, my sophomore year of high school, our um, our school lost a young person to a suicide. Okay. and in that, And in that moment, I saw how everything changed, how— one person's choice, how one person's view of a situation, how one person's inability to see that, you know, temporary problems they thought could be fixed by such a permanent solution really impacted everything in our community from you know where I went to school and just the, the cloud of, of grief that hung over our, our school and held over those hallways to church, even a member of our church and, and certainly you know, I saw that there, you know, my own family was friends with, with his family. And so there, there was a a loss and an emptiness that, you know, what is that close to close to 15, 16 years later still isn't filled. And so I really doubled down on sad, And I, I saw our sad chapter come together, promoting suicide awareness, promoting mental health, Um, even way back when, way before we would ever dream of a pandemic and all the other things that are really pressuring our, our mental health nowadays. And so you know my own experience in seeing how uh, the organization can make a positive impact to, to make sure that we turn adversity into action is, is really what, what got me involved and, and what, it's what keeps me involved every day. Certainly as a, as a nonprofit executive in the midst of a, you know, a recession, in the midst of a, a global pandemic, there are tough days. There are long days, and there are days that you say, you know, wow, uh, you could be making a lot more money somewhere else with less stress, but then I meet young people who 16, 17 years later, after I had that same revelation really experienced something similar, right. Where they, their community experiences that tragic loss and they, and they rally together and start a chapter or they, you know, celebrate the success that their community hasn't experienced that loss on both sides of that coin. I think there's an incredible value, but You know, just before the the pandemic started in in January of 2020, one moment that forever changed me was I was in the the Nashville airport. I had been in Tennessee doing some presentations and some work, and I was in line to to board my flight. And uh, all of a sudden, I felt this tap on my shoulder. I turned around to see uh, a a woman who asked me, uh, excuse me, are you involved with SAD? And at first, you know, I panicked. I was like, wow, have I really gotten to the point where people just see – like sad oozing yeah, out she, of me. What, what, what's happening that? here? Right, right. Well, then I realized I'm wearing a sad polo. I have a sad backpack. Oh. I'm, I'm very clearly branded okay. uh, with sad. And I said, yeah, yeah, actually I am. And she said, I want you to know sad saved my life. Wow. Uh, so, so, you know, I, I said, please, please tell me, tell me more. So I stepped out of line and we sat down and chatted for a few moments. And she shared that when she was in high school, she had been tremendously bullied. She had been teased and tormented for you know who she loved, how she acted, how she looked, uh, and she never really felt like she fit in. Oftentimes, being physically assaulted and certainly being verbally chastised by you know people she thought were, were her friends and people she you know grew up with. And so, after years and years of this, she said, you know, my my life just isn't worth living. So one one day, she made a plan to end her life and. On one Friday afternoon, she she began to, to execute that plan. And the first step was after school, clearing out her locker. And as she was emptying her locker, throwing everything away, uh, one of her friends came up to her and said, hey, what are you doing? And, and, and you know, she tried to reason it away and say, yeah. oh, you know, just cleaning up, whatever. Yeah. Uh, she knew, though, that <laughs> she wanted to make sure her parents never had to come back in that horrible building that really had such pain for her. Uh, and so her friend, concerned, said, "Well, hey, you know, Sad's having a meeting. Why don't you, why don't you come to the Sad meeting?" And she tried to say no, and she tried to turn it down, but her friend, again for whatever reason, wouldn't take no for an answer. So she finally caved and went to the Sad meeting, uh, met a few people, and said, "Okay, well, you know, my plan can can wait a few weeks." Got more involved with the organization, made some friends, uh, and put it off and put it off till finally she became the chapter president, uh, and eventually went on to, to college to become a school psychologist. Yeah. Uh, and, and she told me, she said, you know, the only reason why I'm doing what I am today is because sad, sad empowered me to believe that no young person should have to feel like I feel. So, you know, now she's crying, I'm crying. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think, I thank her so much for, for sharing her story with me. Uh, I, she, she wouldn't share her name, which was completely fine, but, You know, um, I knew she was she'd actually been in Nashville for a a conference of school psychologists. And so, you know, whenever I'm talking to the media, uh, I share that story, not only just that because we have an incredible opportunity to network and and share those kinds of stories of impact. But because I never know where in the world she might be uh, and how meaningful that story is that she shared with me um, to the work that we do each and every
3: day. You know, You've shared some good stories. I know there are also some that aren't. Yeah. Um, yeah. To to grab the attention of our audience, share one or two of those so that they can understand why mm-hmm. the work of SAD is so critical for so many people. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, I there's something about that name that just bothers me. You know, I I really think you need to work on a campaign to slowly turn it into a more positive statement. Yeah, but, uh, you but know, that's we've, just we've... me, and I'm I'm just a guy in Athens, Ohio. But um...
2: hey, no, I I appreciate that, Dave. I, I I appreciate that, and I'll and I'll speak to what we've done to kind of turn that frown upside down here in in just a moment. But okay. You know, there are there are three really quick stories that I, I do want to share because they they remind me of the power of what we do. Uh, first of all, we've we have a, we've a we're working with an organization that's now become part of our organization called Text Less Live More, uh, and certainly from the, the name you can you can surmise that it's a distracted driving campaign to encourage students to to text less. But it's started in memory of a young woman named Merit Levitan who tragically was hit and killed. Uh, while doing a cross-country bike tour uh, a few weeks after she graduated high school. And her life was taken because of one driver's really selfish act to drive distracted, and the driver didn't see a a long line of, of cyclists going across rural Georgia. Uh, Swerve hit her in tragically she lost her life. But what I really applaud about Merritt's family is that they've taken that adversity of losing her and they've turned it into an action. They've turned it into a, a time of not only encouraging people to to text less, but to also disconnect from the the technology that we're really tethered to. I, you know, I've, I would ask our, our listeners today. Uh, I bet every single one of them can can right off the top of their head tell you where their cell phone is, or you know, tell you what their where their laptop might be or their iPad, whatever technology it is. We are totally connected. Well, that's true my technology, and that's and that's a great thing, particularly you know after the pandemic that we're uh, so recovering from. But you know, there's also a, a, a thing called digital dependency, which we've really seen spike as well, where teens, especially, but adults too, we're addicted to our phones. and there's something called FOmo, the fear of missing out, where we literally there's there's science to support that we are our, our brain releases endorphins or bursts of energy. When we get that notification, when the phone rings, when there's a, you know, a, a, a DM or a direct message that comes in on a social media platform, we, when we get those likes, all of those things are releasing endorphins. And they're literally rewiring the teen brain to crave more of that, just like you would with, with an addiction. So you know I, I mentioned that tragic story of, of Merritt Levitan because that family will never be the same. And I literally was talking with her father this morning. And that that community, that that family will always see that empty chair and miss what could have been. And there's nothing that we can do from an awareness campaign to bring that back. Only work to, to honor her, her life and to honor their loss. We're trying to get people to understand the importance of texting less and also living more. I'll share I'll share one other um, that that comes to us from from New England, from Connecticut. There was an incredible athlete, a young woman who uh, was I mean? She was all state in almost everything, right? In soccer and in, in basketball and track, mm-hmm. A phenomenal student who was involved in National Honor Society. She was involved in SAD. She was involved in everything. Uh, was in the top of her class. I mean, a, a poster of what you'd want, uh, you know, a teen to be today. Sure. sure. Uh, in one of in one of her games, she tore her ACL, uh, had to go in for surgery, and uh, after surgery to help with the pain. Her doctor prescribed her an opioid medication, and unfortunately, as we've heard all throughout Ohio and throughout you know the the, the Appalachian communities and beyond, uh, over the next few weeks and months, she would become addicted to that opioid, and everything that you would stereotypically hear came true. Uh, her social mood changed. She suffered as an athlete was you know eventually removed from the team because of her substance use disorder, and one afternoon, she tragically overdosed. And there's another life that is lost to something that's so preventable. So we talk a lot about when we say substance use, it's not just you know the, 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 the mythical drug dealer who's trying to get your kid to, to use drugs. It's also within your medicine cabinet. It's what the doctor might prescribe, and it's so important that parents and communities understand that even the best of intentions in, again, trying to follow a, a pharmacist's directive – and have deadly consequences if you're not aware of of, what's, of what that substance is and the addictive properties of that substance. Uh, we encourage people to, you know, if, if they go through surgery, to, to say, hey, you know, uh, I, I don't want an opioid. My fiance, she just had foot surgery. We had this same conversation with her surgeon. Hey, we, we don't need an opioid. There are pain medications. I'm not a doctor, but there are pain medications that, that can supplement that just as well. And so, you know, we want to make sure that, that parents know that, particularly, you know, folks who, teens who might be going through surgery and, and have similar situations, everything can turn on a dime uh, when, when something happens. I'll share, I'll share one last story. Uh, there's, there was a young man who uh, start, just started his freshman year of college, a uh, remarkable, remarkable young man who had a bright future in, in business school. Uh, one night, he went to a, he went to a party. Uh, he had uh, he had some stress. Was looking for a way to unwind. It really didn't have a you know a history of, of of any sort of substance use. But his friend said, "Hey, just take this pill. It'll make you feel better." What he didn't know was the pill that he thought was uh, an antidepressant, uh, you know, a, 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 something to help him feel calm, was actually laced with fentanyl. And unfortunately, within a matter of of just a short while, uh, he was dead on the floor of this college party because. Uh, fentanyl had claimed his life dave read a point in our country where we have lost the a record number over a 100,000 people to overdoses across the US and it's because of a, a wide variety of factors that i think connect back to mental health people looking for an escape people looking of how to handle addiction and loss and uh you know his family has also turned that that loss into something beautiful in an organization called song for charlie that we're proud to partner with and get this message out about one pill can kill. And it's so true how one decision really, again, I know it sounds stereotypical and, and teens think, Oh, that'll never happen to be parents think, Oh, that's not my kid. But if we're not having these conversations about the real life consequences, the permanent consequences of so many decisions, whether that's to, to drive impaired, whether that's to, you know, to take that pill that you don't know where it came from for sure. Or whether to drive distracted, there are lifelong consequences, and unfortunately, far too many sad stories that um, that we work with every day.
3: I don't know how old you are, but I'm seventy-two. Mm-hmm. I uh, I've had a terrific career in show business, music, theater, cinema, yeah. cinema. Yeah. Um. But I got into broadcasting because my dad was one of the great pioneers of this industry Mm. and um but i've always okay so i've had i've been drunk twice in my life both times under age in berea kentucky (laughs) okay Okay. of all things i've had one (laughs) toke on a um what do you call it a a a a marijuana cigarette Uh, like
2: a yeah, 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 like a joint or a bong. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, that was in a party um, in um, um, Waikiki. Um, okay. And that that didn't do anything for me. But I've always been kind of proud of myself for being really talented at, at scenic design, lighting, sound, that sort of thing. Um, and done some great shows, and and I was even a drummer with the Supremes. So I mean, what? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. I am so thrilled with being me. Yeah. That these other things don't help. Yeah. They um, take away from that. Now that's a unique situation because most people haven't had the kind of experiences I have had, or I'm still mm-hmm. having. But yeah, yeah, it's um. I just love helping people. And, Absolutely. And um. I wish. I wish if there's someone in our audience here that's that's struggling. Yeah. If they can let us know, we'll get them in the hands of people that can help. And, 100%. And that could be SAD. It, the, the student, I'm sorry, Students Against Destructive Decisions. I, again, I don't like the name SAD. But <laughs> right. uh, it could be your organization. We have many local things that serve all sorts of good purposes. Yeah, um, There's many other national organizations. Who are some of your favorites? Let's, let's try that nationally. So, sad. If, yeah. obviously you're proud of what they do. Yep. What else are some organizations you really hold in high regard? Absolutely. Uh,
2: one of our closest and, and longest allies uh, and allyships is with the National Road Safety Foundation, NRSF. Uh, they have an incredible assortment of resources, materials, uh, outreach elements to help means uh parents uh, but also older drivers you know as we age that's that's something we don't talk about enough either is how do we age and, and make sure that we're safe behind the wheel so of course NRS NRSF has been an incredible partner to us as well equitable financial and you may say well why why is why sad working with a, a financial company one of the things we found when we surveyed our alumni is that the number one stressor that they were facing that, that they felt was really deteriorating their mental health was their, was their financial standing. And the fact that so oftentimes we don't talk about financial literacy, how to plan for the future, how to handle college debt, how to how to make a budget and stick to it, all those things and more. So we've partnered with Equitable and have provided some great resources, not only around uh, you know financial health, but also the connection between financial health and mental health and how to have those two things go hand in hand. So they've been a great partner and supporter. Of what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of federal and state agencies are already already talked about our relationship with the Ohio Department of Public Safety and nationally the, the, the Department of Transportation and the work that we're able to do with them and how we can leverage federal resources to support um, the great work that our, our students are doing. But, you know, Dave, one of my other journeys in life is that I, I spent uh, six years on our local school board. Uh, over in Clark County uh, and was a school board member for, for six years. I, I joke that's where I got my, my gray hair. Uh, but but from my time on the board, I, I think you really nailed it. Some of the best partners we've had are local partners. Mm-hmm. You know, your local health department, your local uh, board of mental health and substance abuse services, Athens County, has a great, as you said, a great resource center there that you can tap into, all at little or no cost. Uh, being able to work with law enforcement and first responders has been, you know, some of the the, the highest honor of my life, because these brave men and women really do uh, put themselves on the line each and every day. And sure, we can talk about, you know, challenges that those communities are facing. But uh, I've had the pleasure of working with school resource officers and and road warriors and uh, firefighters who are, you know, really doing the good to keep us safe each and every day. And uh, I'm always amazed by the the work that they do and the bravery that they show. So, those local relationships have been, you know, so tremendous. Uh, you know, here in Washington and at every level, any at any point in a a, a national or federal uh, perspective, there's only so much we can do. We try to provide the resources, but the real work happens by the folks that are in the trenches, by you know our listeners who are going to make a choice when they, you know, when they turn the dial or get where they're going. They're going to make a choice of how they process the information that you and I have shared today. And I, I really do hope that people will take advantage of those local resources, <clears throat> excuse me, of our, our national resources, of the things that are happening across the Buckeye State. Because, you know, while I'm mindful that, that in this short while that you and I are spending talking, you know, 32 people across our country have died in car crashes. Yes. Uh, an, another 30 uh, today are going to probably overdose on some form of, of medication. You know, for the first time uh, every hour, uh, a young person is going to use tobacco or, or alcohol for the first time, which obviously has lifelong consequences. So there, I'm, I never forget, Dave, that there's an urgency to what we're talking about here, that, you know, there really is a, a clock that ticks and ticks and ticks that uh, we have to watch because, again, as those seconds pass and the sand falls through the hourglass, uh, people are making choices, and unfortunately, they're not all choices that they can live with.
3: Years ago, I worked for Congressman Clarence Miller. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, he was always concerned about uh, aiding before it becomes a problem.
1: Yep. Prevention.
3: And, and um, you can't prevent problems, but you can prevent them from getting— out of control once yeah. they're, once they're recognized anyway. Absolutely. Um, okay. So you knew you were going to be on an Athens radio station this morning. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping you have a little bit of local information. So like, I'm sure Ohio university has a chapter. Yeah. Um, um, tell us what other, like our high schools and middle schools that have chapters in our region.
2: Yeah. So the best way to access that information is actually on our website. You can contact our state coordinator. Unfortunately, we don't get that information out over the media just to help protect, okay. uh, you know, pri- privacy okay. and things like that. But you can find out more on our website. We have a great state coordinator for the Buckeye State, Carol Lucio. Her information is is on our website. So we're we're happy to you know provide that information. But yeah, you know, we we can talk a little bit more about college stuff because those those members are over eighteen. Uh, and yeah, OU has some great resources. They've planned a lot of things around uh, responsible consumption of alcohol. We know that, uh, unfortunately, some colleges, especially OU, may have a reputation for, for party scenes and whatnot. So we, we try to talk in real terms about, you know, what can students do to keep one another safe, not just keeping yourself safe, but the idea of, you know, right now we call it a squad. That's some of the lingo that's been tossed around social media. Um, You know, what does it mean to be a squad? What does it mean to to protect your friends? What is this accountability that you can have to each other? There's uh, several resources we've developed for this college audience, um, and one of them is, you know, what we call our our contract for life, which is where you can make a pact with your friends to to make sure that when you go to a party together, you're, you know, watching out for each other, Mm -hmm. you're making sure you're watching each other's drinks, uh, because we know so oftentimes that things can happen to your drink where other things can be placed into it. So how do you make sure your drink is safe? How do you make sure that you're, uh, you know, keeping track of what you're consuming? In the moment, you may not always remember how many drinks you've had, how many shots you've taken, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you make sure that you're, you're consuming responsibly and keeping each other safe? And of course, you make a plan before you drink. Uh, so you know if someone's going to be the designated driver, everyone makes sure that that person does not drink. Uh, and if, if you're going to go out, there's lots of other options. Um, certainly, you know there's ride shares that you can uh, use. Never be afraid to call on-campus resources that are available to help you. So there's there's no there's really no excuse for impaired driving in in my book. And we also talk about it even being an impaired pedestrian. Uh, obviously, it's not too far of a, a stumble from downtown Athens to campus. But when students are impaired, lots of bad things can happen, and lots of things can jeopardize their health and safety. So even in those moments where you're not planning to drive making sure that you have a plan on how you're going to get home safely and, and someone looking out for you is is really, really important and an important message that uh, that we're getting out to uh, college students of all ages.
3: So whether it is a young person, yep. a parent, a neighbor, a friend, whatever, the mm-hmm. website you want them to visit is what?
2: www yeah www.sadd.org or they can also visit ohsadd.org either one of those uh, pages are going to connect back to our resources okay. and one thing we haven't talked about dave is is our what we call our parents and adult ally corner of our website so again lots of resources we've we've partnered with organizations to create lots of resources we've created and many of them ironically enough are actually created by young people for parents. You may say, Rick, why would you do that? Well, the person who's going to know best how to talk to a teen is a teen. So we've got great conversation starters and resources on, you know, how do I talk to my teen about opioids? How do I talk to my teen about being responsible when they're in a social setting? What does it mean to to engage in a conversation about digital dependency and, and creating some healthy parameters what, what should our family plan be on health and safety? And, uh, you know, the Contract for Life that I alluded to, it doesn't just include uh, a social group or a friend group. There's also a version for teens and parents where together you can make an agreement that, you know, if a teen is ever in a situation where they feel unsafe, they're with an impaired driver, someone that they believe is jeopardizing their health and safety, they can make a call. Um, there can be a, a safe word. There can be, you know, some sort of mechanism in place and we've got ideas to, to share. Maybe it's you hang, you call twice and hang up and, and send a text or, you know, there's lots of different ways to communicate that, uh, that, that safety uh, message. And so you make a plan as a family so that if there ever is that situation, God forbid, there's a way to get that young person out and make sure that they're home safe and sound. So I really encourage parents and, and adult allies. And by that, we mean coaches, um, uh, Clergy members, other members of the community who are interacting regularly regularly with young people, to visit our resources. Think about how they could be helpful to you in really navigating the very difficult journey of 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 working through adolescence. Because we know there is no you know there's no game plan, there's no playbook. So we hope that some of our resources will will help them navigate these uh, these tough years. For those who are uh, into podcasts. We are on every major platform under Sad Nation uh, as, a, as a resource to listen to our podcast. There's some great content there for teens and parents alike. We also have uh, a strong social media following. So whether you're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, or TikTok, uh, or I should say LinkedIn too, uh, we have resources for each and every audience. Obviously, that's more specific to who's on that channel. We know that... Facebook is trending maybe a little bit more on the, the parent and grandparent side. Uh, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok, yeah, we're really trying to reach our young people on those channels. That's where they are today. So utilizing social media is absolutely a key part of what we do. We have giveaways, contests, scholarships uh, for our parents who are looking for ways to pay for college. Don't hesitate to check out our scholarships and contest section. We just closed uh, a contest with the National Road Safety Foundation where we're giving away thousands of dollars so local chapters to support uh, a new message around drug-impaired driving, uh, specifically marijuana-impaired driving. Mm -hmm. So lots of great resources to to get the word out and to keep everyone safe by giving everyone the knowledge they need to be part of the solution.
3: We have about three minutes remaining. Uh, Folks, uh, our guest this morning has been Rick Burt. Rick is president of Students Against Destructive Decisions, also known as SAD, and um, their headquarters in Washington, D.C., and that's where he's calling from. This organization was founded in 1981, so, what, 42 years now? Um, Yeah. What is the biggest thing you wish to accomplish that you haven't been able to?
2: Oh wow, Dave! We could do a whole segment on that. Yeah. Um, you know.
3: But we're, um, done, we're in a minute and a half.
2: Yeah. So I would say number one, uh, you know, continue to provide more resources on mental health, and and I know I've 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 beat that I've beat that message home today, but um, that's really the underlying connection point for so many of the other things we've talked about: substance use, reckless driving, whatever it might be. So much of it ties back to mental health. And so providing more resources, finding more, finding more monies, quite frankly, to, you know, help our organization be able to have more reach. We have an incredible rating by all the charity watchdog organizations, because we do invest so much of, of what we get back into the mission. If anyone's looking for a a tax deductible way to support incredible young people, um, you can head to our website and and make a gift. So securing new funds and partnerships, absolutely a, a part of, of what we do. Uh, and, continue to, and continue to make the organization sustainable. You know, the, the thing I'm always reminded of is that in a high school setting or a college setting or even in a middle school, uh, we rotate through our members on a regular basis. Those students graduate, they grow up. And so how do we continue to, to keep them involved as they advance into adulthood and make them successful members of the community? But how do we also reach a new generation that's always changing, always facing new issues? Uh, that's a constant that's a constant struggle for us, but um, we listen to young people, and we are truly a youth valid organization. So, as I said earlier, Dave, the future is bright, and I think we're in good hands with the generation that's coming up in the rings.
3: As you make it back to Ohio, would you uh, try to swing by sometime?
2: Oh my gosh, I'd love that. I okay. love that. I love. I always love my time in Athens. Uh, I had several friends who went to OU, so I spent some time with them. So I will. I will make you a promise. The next time there I'm uh, there, I'm, I'm down that way. I will swing by.
3: Thank you. Have a great day, and listen, we really appreciate what you're doing.
2: Uh, thanks so much for having me, Dave. Really appreciate the opportunity and your time. I look forward to, to speaking with you and your listeners soon.
3: Fair enough. Take care, Rick. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right, Scott. Not bad, huh? And um, we have, uh, what, five ticks of the clock. Yep. Time to go. So. Time to go. So take care out there, folks. Yes. Uh it's in our second year of thorn. serving
1: Southeast Ohio. AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH!
0: Good Thursday morning from 970 WATH. I think we have a little issue with the feed coming down from CBS, but going to try to get that loaded here in seconds. Stay tuned.
3: Go to Navaj.com for a free gift
1: with purchase. Over 2 million sold. Navaj, N-A-V-A-G-E. Clean nose, healthy life.
2: Super Bowl ticket prices may be inching
0: lower with the big game just three days away. To see the Rams and Bengals in person we knew would be expensive. (laughs) Stafford throws, looking for cut. With inflation and the
1: game in L.A., ticket prices for the Super Bowl started at record highs. Now the resale company TickPick says prices have fallen up to $1,000 as the game draws closer. And there are still plenty of unsold tickets, which could drive prices even lower. The most expensive seats for the game are still going at around $5,000 each. Parking? That's still pricey, too, with rates running at about the cost of a ticket. Steve Kathan, CBS News.
2: In the U.K., Hi,
1: Charles, Prince of Wales. the
2: 73-year-old heir to the British throne has canceled his public plans to self-isolate after testing positive for COVID again. Yesterday, Prince Charles attended a reception with the country's finance and health ministers. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News
1: do you check your google search results regularly you should people often get their first impression of you or your business online negative comments on the internet can impact your life and your livelihood take